I would pick people up by their ankles in my dreams and like pick them up standing up. They would I would pick them up by their ankles and flip them over and bash their head into the ground. So like that's not great. So you can just you can just beat a child. You can just beat a child. You can just beat a child and it's okay. So welcome. You are listening to Texas 1031. This is a true crime podcast specifically pertaining to cities in Texas. In case this is your first time listening, I always screw up. And Texas 10, but nope, God, 1031 is a police code for crime and progress. And also, it's the numerical date of Halloween. Numerical date. Got through it. We're your hosts, Cassie and Hannah. We're here. (laughs) So last week when I was with Adam, I read your part. I didn't put it in there, but I literally said, I don't know why this is so hard for Cassie every time. <laughs> but it is so hard. Specifically pertaining. It's Specifically pertaining. Uh, if you guys want to contact us or check out our social media, go to our website, which is Texas1031podcast.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, as well as links to listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Remember the name of our website and social media accounts have what? No dashes, no, no spaces, spaces, no, no capitalization. Or numbers. Or numbers. Just all spelled out. <laughs> uh, last but not least, if you are on iTunes, please, before you leave, rate, review, and subscribe. We've gotten a few new ones. They've been great. Um, uh, we've gotten some kind of shitty rates, but totally understand why. It's fine. I, we appreciate the, the feedback. Yeah, we appreciate yep. the major boost in listens that we've got. I, keep, I always want to say views, but it's listens mm. uh, to the episodes because we've gone up a lot in the last couple weeks so thank you so much yeah keep telling Uh, your friends anyway yeah rate review rate review and subscribe subscribe see 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 words are hard specifically (laughs) pertaining not so hard (laughs) um but so every week um as you probably know we bring you two murder cases that we both will discuss um this week we have one in spring and the other is in fort worth and we really hope you guys enjoy this week's episode thanks for listening Yeah. yeah It took us what? I got here at 7.50. Yeah. It took us a minute to get going. Mm-hmm. Garage band was not our friend today. I drank a little bit more wine than I intended. I'm on my third beer. Yeah. It's fine. So this is going to be nice and loosey-goosey. Loosey-goose. Yeah. Maybe next time if we have Adam on again, we should just make him drink copious amounts of wine and he'll be loosey-goosey and no no he's already loosey-goosey enough (laughs) we hope you guys like that little mini episode it did pretty well with what people listen to cassie said she thought it was funny oh i thought it was hilarious i adam if you're listening i thought you did a great job he's not listening he's probably no no one's listening listening. (laughs) (laughs) but i thought it was really funny i ugly laughed a bunch and that's not really an element you get with our podcast usually so because we're not funny? No. Is that what you're trying to say? Not. No. I mean, sometimes we might be, but... I can cut it out. <laughs> yeah. Because we're also being stupid yes. or offensive. So. Offensive. <laughs> if I could find what I'm supposed to read, that'd be cool. Uh-oh. Well, in the Got meantime... It. It's fine. Oh, We're good. Okay. We're good. We're good. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. 
Go. No, it's fine. Okay, well, okay, then (laughs) my meantime was going to be where I posted it on the Facebook, if anyone even reads that. Um, Net neutrality is a Mm. thing. It might get repealed. Um, I'll go quickly into what will happen. Appealed? Repealed? Repealed. Like, right now, net neutrality was something that President Obama put into place to protect the internet and the free market that it is. I was getting words mixed up. Never mind. Okay, okay. So, yeah. So, now net neutrality, the FCC... This is why it was put in well, place in the be. first place. What? The thing. Okay. <laughs> it was an M&M. No? Oh, no. I didn't get it. I'm sorry. No? Like Slim Shady, the FCC won't let me be? No? No? I've... Mm-mm. Come on. Oh, I get it, though. Like, it's a lyric in I his get Slim it. Shady song. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Never mind. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. We're, I'm showing my age, evidently. Well, I, I'm showing that I know things about, like, one thing at a time. She knows things about politics, and I know things about Eminem. <laughs> that works. That works. It's a nice balance we've struck. Yeah. But clearly. basically, for what it means, like, last podcast on the left put it really well in one of their recent episodes, so I'll kind of do the same thing. You as a listener... You would have to pay for your podcast listening package. And that wouldn't even cover, like, if you use SoundCloud and Stitcher and iTunes just because you feel like it, that wouldn't cover that. That would cover, like, your iTunes podcasting. That would cost, let's say, $5.99 a month. Then you would have your Google search package. And Yahoo search would not be included because Google would have that monopoly over that search. That would be another five ninety nine. Then you would have your Netflix pa- Netflix package, your Hulu package, your blah 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 blah. And what these packages would do is allow fast lanes and slow lanes of the internet. So that means you as a consumer will be negatively affected based on what you are able to pay. So it's just another way to bring it bring all the money all the knowledge everything up to the top and it will trickle down into no knowledge no free market for people it's just not a good thing us as a podcast would no longer exist because we would have to pay a lot of money to get on a fast lane internet podcasting package and we can't afford to do that big guys can afford to do that big companies big corporations the people that are telling you that this is good for consumers they can afford to do that. You and I can't. You as a listener, Hannah and I cannot. And they will slowly but surely take everything that we know and have. And if you they think- don't have a good murder podcast, so exactly. don't, don't vote for them or don't go along with she cassie wrote to her or called her representative so call your representatives i posted it go on our facebook page um texas 1031 on our facebook page you can type it in it is spelled out or you can just go to our website and click the facebook link from there i posted um basically what i used um it's called battleforthenet.com and you type in you know your address your zip code and it shows you the number to call No, I'm sorry. You put in your phone number. They call you and then they say, here we go. Hold on. And they connect you to representative after representative. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Senator after senator. And it's almost like a roller coaster because my heart was pounding the whole time. And I got two voicemail boxes. One of them was full and I couldn't leave anything. One of them was Ted Cruz. So 
Yeah. He was off killing more people in San Francisco. Zodiac. And um, I got to talk to two people and they gave you a script that I had right in front of me and it was very short and succinct. Just basically, I support net neutrality and, you know, I believe the free market of the internet is important. And I urge the FCC to, the FCC chairman to vote to uh, preserve net neutrality. Super easy to say. You give your name, your state, your zip code. And they're just like, okay, anything else? Like, they, they literally listen to the shit all day long. And then I got... It's like signing a, a petition, petition, basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Except you're doing a little bit more because they really do tally up and pay attention to these calls from their constituents because they're supposed to be representative of us. So if enough of us say, hey, keep this thing, it should happen. I mean, I don't really have much trust in our process and our system, but... This is something that if you can fight for, definitely do. It's not a partisan issue. It's not something that is for Republicans or for Democrats. It's for you as an American consumer. The internet is not optional anymore. So it's just, it's super important. Do the right thing. Yeah. If you have any questions, you can always, you know, email us on the Gmail or on the Facebook. And like, I'd be happy to tell you exactly what I did and how you can help or even just explain like why I'm so passionate about this. But like, it doesn't matter if you're Democratic or Republican, like you need internet. Yeah. And And you will always need internet. internet. Like it's just 2017. It's about to be 2018. So, and that was Cassie with NBC. God, (laughs) I I am so sorry. But like, if there's anything I can urge you to do, is just look this shit up and call your representative or sign a change.org petition or something like that because it's so important if you like podcasts at all. If you like existing on any basis. Like, you can't check your banking information, okay? You You would need a separate internet interface to check your finance accounts. Like. We're going to have to go back to, like, ridiculous. keeping a checkbook, like, balancing Basically. your checkbook like 80-year-old women do yeah. at the grocery store. And people who think that, oh, the internet was fine before 2015 when net neutrality was put into place, it's because the FCC hadn't tried to pull this shit. They hadn't tried to monetize the internet and give it to corporations to decide what we can and can't see. So that happened. Obama put this into effect, and now they're coming after it again with this new president in office. So. We just lost like 80 of our 80 listeners because we live in Texas. Yeah, that's true. But hey, I didn't say anything pro or against any president. I'm just saying pro-free internet. On a lighter note, let's talk about murder. God, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any recommendations this week? Um, Besides net neutrality? Besides, yeah, besides being a good citizen. I'm just kidding. Um... I've been, I I told you I'd listened to this new podcast, new to me. I think it's been around for almost a year. They only have like six episodes though. It's called Wedlock. Um, Not about murder. Not about murder. It's something light and funny. And if you're in a relationship or married or whatever, yeah. Or even like they have stuff for like single people. They interview some cool people. How kind, how nice. Well, I didn't, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) But like they interviewed a man whose wife, uh, came to him and said that she wanted to transition into oh, wow. male. Okay. And he was like, I'm, we're one of the only couples I've ever heard of that stayed together. And the, like, the love they talked about and, like, the oh. different things that go along with it. It's just a super cool listen. So that's my only recommendation. 
I don't really have a recommendation, but I do have a little tidbit of info. Mm. So Investigation Discovery, uh, as we all know, the crime network, whatever, they premiered the, it was like a documentary and like a little kind of lifetime movie, if you will, uh, called like the Dating Game Killer, uh, Rodney Alcala. You've heard of it? No, he was like uh-uh. a major serial killer in the 70s. Oh, wait, 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 right? wait. And he was on one of the yeah. dating shows? Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, so I really, I tried to watch, me and my mom tried to start the little movie that they did. I didn't think it was that great. We turned it off. I tried to watch the documentary. It was okay. It wasn't really a documentary, but it was like a more news-based situation, okay. not like fake people acting out shit. Mm-hmm. But my point is, the only reason why I recommend it is because he's from San Antonio. So... Good job again, Texas. We, we breathe need to the stop breathing. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> See, we just we said the same thing. Anyway, yeah, that's all I want to do is point out the uh, place of his origin. Mm. Um, but yeah, that is pretty cool yeah. in a terrible way. I know. You know, Richard Ramirez. Now we have Rodney Alcala. Ugh, God. I know. If you follow us on Instagram, you will hopefully maybe have seen the post I posted as like our teaser sort of situation for our episode this week, which is all about uh, family murder. And um, we yeah. both have uh, family murders. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. like opposite, phil- uh, parasite and filicide. That was the uh, title of kind of the post that I did. Had to look that up. Yeah. So yep. parasite is when a child or a child kills their parents Mm -hmm. and then filicide is when a parent kills their child of a certain age so not the same but different but still in the family fun intended (laughs) um yeah so we're gonna be talking about family murders just in time for the christmas season yes for you to be cooped up in a house with all of your extended family one of whom might Might be a psychopath yeah yep um hopefully not though we don't want that ever (laughs) It's my turn this week. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Is. Okay, so if you guys follow me on Instagram personally, in real life, you're probably aware that my life has been semi-rough and emotionally draining mm. um, the last few weeks. And it's just kind of funny because last episode, not the mini episode, but the last episode I did with Cassie was a very like sappy murder. Uh, and this week I have an angry murder. Oh, so good. very much uh, art imitating life in its truest form or life imitating art, however you want to look at it. So these are the stages you're yeah, going that's, through. Uh-huh. Maybe I'll just do a episode based on the five stages of grief. So I like that. We'll see what happens. It's a good idea. It's a yeah. good healing process. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> All right, so we'll get started with my murder. Like Cassie said, it is taking place in Spring, Texas, and that's a suburb of Houston, a little bit north. Um, So in October 2007, a blue storage container with a body shoved inside was discovered in Galveston by a passing fisherman. I know you're probably confused automatically because I just said Spring and I just said Galveston, but cars you'll 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 get it Mm -hmm. so after doing an autopsy the medical examiner finds three fractures on the body's skull and in turn a homicide investigation begins so lois gibson do you have a question i'm sorry what it it wouldn't have begun already when a body was found in a blue Uh, bin like you need injuries to the head they weren't really sure this is when like the identification and all that stuff comes in so okay i don't know maybe they fell but maybe that's a good point. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just like a... No. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
that's a good point. I guess they were just trying to, in the article, they were just trying to make uh, make it sound fancy. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I fell for it, for sure. <laughs> Copy and paste that shit. I saw right through that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Lois Gibson, uh, she was hired to do a composite sketch for the victim. And reading further, I actually found out that as of 2017, she holds the Guinness World Record for most identifications by a forensic artist. So pretty rad. Um, Some more information about Lois, just because it's kind of relevant to our theme of Texas cases, is that she decided to become a forensic forensic artist due to um, being assaulted and nearly killed when she was 21 and living in Los Angeles. She earned a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree from the University of Texas and taught at Northwestern University for about 14 years. And as of 2012, she had helped uh, Houston Police Department solve 1,266 crimes by identifying criminals and victims. So Lois is a badass. Yeah, she is. Good for her. That's how you turn a tragedy into a lot of good. For sure. Um, the sketch she drew up was released to the public and it became like a national effort to figure out who the victim was. And in my mind, I thought this was interesting because, you know, most missing persons or unidentified victims cases, um, they don't really hit national news unless it's a child or a pretty white girl. Mm -hmm. So spoiler alert, they nicknamed the victim Baby Grace. Oh, I remember her. Really? <gasps> yes. Cool. Fun. This will, I had no idea. I was, oh, my I didn't God. I did live here in 2007. I'm so. excited. Well, I didn't I mean I was young in 2007. Yeah. I was... You were probably... 14 or 15, 14, so... Mm, no, you were probably younger than that, based on what I'm about to tell you. Oh, okay. Yeah, just because you're younger than me, so math. Well, yeah, but 10 years ago. 2007 was 10 years ago. I'm 24. I'm almost 25. Man, you're just like knocking me down. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm supposed to be the angry one, not the sad one. It's okay. fine. Angry. Get angry. I am. Don't worry. Uh, so when baby Grace was found, she was wearing a Target brand pink flowing skirt, a pink shirt, and tennis shoes with purple flowers on them. Uh, do you remember that? I remember yeah, this, okay. baby. Uh, so for a brief time, investigators looked into the possibility that the child's body was actually that of Madeline McCann. Uh, she was a four-year-old British girl who disappeared from a resort hotel in Portugal in May. Uh, I've listened to multiple podcasts on that, and it's like the weirdest case of, not of all time, but it's very strange. So I get maybe why they could have put that together. Um, but they quickly ruled out the connection uh, to that case later. So eventually, the paternal grandmother of the victim, her name is Cheryl, she reported to the authorities that the sketch resembled her granddaughter. And Cheryl had discovered the sketch online and made the connection since she actually hadn't seen her granddaughter in several months. And then DNA testing later confirmed that the remains were that of a two-year-old child named Riley Ann Sawyers. (sighs) Me, me. Two. I know. So, Riley was the daughter of Robert Sawyers and Kimberly Trainer. Uh, Kim became pregnant at the age of 15 when she and Robert developed a relationship while students at the same high school. Uh, this is why I'm not really sure if the timeline adds up because, oh, I'm an idiot. No, th- it makes sense because 2007, mm-hmm. I, 10 years ago, I was 18. So, this makes sense. So, so you were... So you're younger than me. So yes. So you, you were. I was older 18. than the sh- piece of shit mother. I'm assuming piece of no, shit. No, no, no. So she wasn't 15 in 2007. Okay. The murder happened in 2007. So That's what I'm was... saying. 
So she was 15 in 2005. Right. Okay. So, okay. So she was fucking 17. Yeah, 17, 18. Like, I don't know. The, she, I don't know when her birthday was exactly. So that's why I was thinking, no, this is weird because I was her age, not you. Okay. No, 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 <laughs> that's no, no. no. So <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, so yeah, creepy to think that like this all happened. Like, because you can put yourself yeah, back into exactly. your shoes yeah. at that age. Like yeah. high school and gross. Um, okay, so the couple initially, they lived in Ohio with Robert's mother, Cheryl, like I said, who was Riley's uh, primary caregiver. And during this time, her Riley's parents grew apart. They were no longer a couple, but they all continued to live in the same home. I know that sounds kind of weird, but, you know, you're a teenager. You're not going to be like, I'm going to go get my own place. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, Robert soon began dating a woman named Catherine Priester, who he will actually later marry. Um, but in March 2007, alleging physical abuse and having filed a domestic violence charge against Robert, Kim left the home. So at this point, Riley is two years old and she decides to leave. Um, <clears throat> I'm not really saying I doubt Kim's abuse report. That would be not cool. But most people really didn't believe it actually happened, which makes me think that she wanted an excuse to take Riley away from the information that all state here in a minute um but you know she was 18 19 at the time she had the support of an entire family people said that the new girl Catherine and kim got along really well um you know despite living or despite the relatively like great environment that she was living in she and riley decided to up and move to spring texas and that's where i live i don't care please come murder me i would appreciate it uh no don't i love hannah don't murder her um, it was just creepy to hear. I thought it was going to be taking place in Galveston, and then I hear that it was in spring. And yeah. so I was like, Yeah, like they could have gone to the same grocery stores that we do. Oh, wow. Well, like a million other people do. Fuck. <laughs> yes. yes. Like the Target. The Target. Shut up. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> Maybe next, in, next episode. <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah, just two months after she had alleged Robert abusing her, she decides to move. Um, she marries a man that she met online <laughs> while playing World of Warcraft. No, oh, yeah, that was probably so loud. Into the- <laughs> I'm like, my not only eyes rolled, but my entire head rolled mm-hmm. back with that statement. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Nothing's wrong with World of Warcraft, but don't fucking marry someone from it on no. the internet when you're 17. We'll talk about it. Don't worry. Oh, we will. I'm writing um, things. <laughs> she had been introduced to the game by Robert, uh, and unfortunately, she dedicated a lot, if not too much time to the game, um, kind of like most players do, I guess, from what I've read. Um, people would say that she would play for hours into the night and also ask people to bring her food so she wouldn't have to get off the computer, hence why Cheryl mainly cared for Riley Ann. Um, Kim would marry 24-year-old Royce Ziegler, who Robert remembers Kim actually talking about from time to time, mentioning that his character online was semi-aggressive, but Robert didn't really view him as a threat in real life, knowing that World of Warcraft is, you know, just a game and it's a role that you play, you know. Um, but they would marry in June 2007. And uh, once their marriage and relationship moved further... This guy, uh, he believed Riley Ann should be disciplined to say sir and ma'am to adults, as well as phrases like please and thank you. And that physical punishment was the best means of disciplining a child. Uh, 
I immediately thought of my niece uh, when she was two, which really wasn't that long ago. And, mm-hmm. you know, most kids are at that stage of talking, but it's more like stuff that only parents can understand. You know what I mean? Like, yep. You have your you own know, special language. Yeah. Like, you understand your dog's whine. Right. It's like the yeah. same thing. You're with them every day, and, you know, the parents, they can decode all of that shit. So, you know, they can say please and thank you, but it's more of, like, they're still being taught that stuff and mm-hmm. trying to grasp onto speaking in general. So... I wouldn't expect a two-year-old to understand what please and thank you and sir and ma'am really meant and why and when they were saying it. Absolutely not. Um, But yeah, he just like basically struggled to adjust to living with a toddler. He complained to coworkers that Riley uh, was a brat and out of control. And unfortunately, despite caution from one of uh, the employees he had vented to who said, you know, be careful with disciplining her. She's so young and small and her behavior could actually be due to being in a new place and new people. Um, He decided to, despite all of that, come up with a list called, quote, Riley or rules for Riley, (laughs) which included bedtime, nap time, behavior in public, picking up toys and listening to her parents. Not the worst idea in no. the world. However, you need to be realistic and patient when raising a child. Uh, other coworkers would overhear Royce on the phone with Kim constantly arguing about Riley. Uh, at one point, his own mother visited them. And when Royce opened the door, he had a belt flung over his shoulder. And when she asked what was going on, he said he just had to discipline Riley and put her to bed. Whatever that means. A two-year... Yeah. Uh, so believing that Kim was not properly administering the beatings, Royce himself beat Riley Ann. Uh, Royce's former stepmother explained that his father had used similar methods to raise his children, which often involved abuse. Other ex-wives also gave recollections of Royce's behavior and attested to hearing about his father's abuse, basically saying that it would make sense that Riley was treated this way. Um, first of all, this guy was 24 and she was 18. That's not okay. No. Like, it is okay legally, but, like, gross. Legally, yeah, but it, there no. shouldn't be more than a six-year deficit when someone is still in an age that has the word teen right. onto it. That's like, fair. more than a six-year. There shouldn't be more than a three-year deficit. That's tops. Second of all, the article said ex-wives, as in plural. How many times can you get married before 24 years old? Like, give me tips. I don't know. There was actually, <laughs> I was fucking, there's a case that I'm going to do soon, um, this one fucking asshole had, like, five ex-wives by the time he was, like, I think it was, like, 26 or 27. He ended up being a murderer. Mm-hmm. So don't try. No. Don't worry. You're doing fine. All right. I'm good. I'm fine. It's okay. <laughs> You're doing fine. Uh, so the night before the murder, Royce threatened Kim, saying that he couldn't stand Riley causing problems in public and all of the custody issues with Riley's grandmother and said he was leaving. Um he would continue to pay for the house and her financial needs, but he was done. Doesn't sound like a bad thing at all, yeah. right? Um, but she would end up pleading and begging with him to, or begging for him to stay. And this is when investigators and attorneys believe that the crime took place. So the following morning, Royce emailed his employer saying he was sick and would try to come into work later. His email records actually show that he spent the majority of the day handling work matters from home. However, he would give multiple stories to the police on what happened that day slash night. Some stories said he was sick in bed and hearing yelling and screaming. And others said he was only sick for part of the day and then left to go on a drive. And when he came home, uh, Riley was dead. Uh, And then his final version was that he left for a while. And when he came home, he found Riley purple and struggling to breathe. So he administered CPR. But when the time came to decide to take her to the emergency room, she was already dead. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So you put her in a blue bin. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a snip from a conversation with Rita Groffer. Um, about 30 years ago, she had been married to Royce's father, who she said imposed, like I said earlier, the same disciplinary rules on their baby daughter and became violently enraged when she tried to intervene, once grabbing her by the throat and smashing her head into a kitchen cabinet. So, in my opinion, clearly Royce most likely learned this behavior from witnessing it and being subjected to it as a child. I'll get into head trauma later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Like, oh, yeah. I did so much research. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, anyways, after the identification of the body by the grandmother, police would arrest Royce and Kim and charge them with injuring a child and tampering with physical evidence. Their bonds were set at $350,000 each. They were initially tipped off by the family members in Ohio, and that's when police began looking into both of them. Uh, Before that, however, there was several days of pretty much just like wasted work done on the police's behalf, searching for Riley. They were getting copies of custody documents and just trying to get a paper trail on Riley and her family in Ohio. Um, Kim would later admit that Royce had her type up a fake letter issued to the Ohio Department of Children's Services saying that Riley had been taken away from them in an effort to kind of help with them looking like suspects and to corroborate her disappearance. Uh, Once the letter was found fake, uh, Kim soon after after meets with detectives and gives a voluntary recorded statement describing the abuse and death that her daughter was forced to endure. So grab on to something Mm. Uh, it's not that bad i mean it's awful but it's not as bad as we've gone um so she said on july 24th which isn't even two months after moving to texas and marrying this guy by the way wow uh she and royce both beat the child with leather belts held her head underwater in a bathtub and she said royce picked up riley by her hair and threw her across the room slamming her head into the tile floor multiple times A report also said that during the beating, Royce actually stopped to give Riley Ann some pain medication, but then continued on with torturing her. Uh, Kim is quoted saying it seemed to go on and on. After her daughter died, she and Royce went to Walmart that night and bought the blue storage container the baby would be found in months later. A shovel, concrete mix, anchor chain, bleach, gloves, duct tape, and other supplies. They had placed her in a bathtub while they went shopping. They each went into separate checkout lanes because, you know, that's how you be discreet. Mm -hmm. Uh, They divided up their list of the things they needed to buy to cover up the murder. They had actually evidently tried to um, twice following the murder to take the storage container out and bury it, but both ended in failure. They uh, covered up her being missing the weeks after, stating that Riley was with other friends or family. Um, Interestingly enough, they also never reported her missing to Harris County Police. Mm. Sneaky, sneaky. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her statement also said the box containing the child's body was hidden in a storage shed for, quote, one to two months at their home. Oh, my God. The smell. Right. Yeah. Then she and Royce carried it to Galveston Causeway and tossed it in, and she saw it drifting away. Kim said, I never meant for what happened to happen. Like, how sentimental can you be? Mm -hmm. Um, When Royce's brother approached the couple with Riley's sketch made by the police, Kim was silent and showed no emotion. But Royce acted surprised and soon after cracked and told him that Riley wasn't in Ohio, like he had said previously, which in turn led the family to talk to the police, like I said before. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Royce was the one who started talking out of guilt and not Kim. Yeah. 
Um, this is kind of weird. A neighbor recalls a visit to the home when the couple first moved in, and he said he met Riley, and she was very sweet and friendly. But when he spoke to Royce, quote, he didn't say anything except that Riley would be okay. He found that really odd and not really a part of the conversation at all. Um, quote, they didn't seem to go anywhere or do anything, and I never saw that little girl again. So sad. So we'll go into Kim's trial. <sighs> See, we're past the bad stuff. Yeah. On to the interesting stuff. Almost cried. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's the wine. Yeah. Uh, the trial for Kim was, del- this is good, delayed due to be her becoming pregnant. Oh, Again! my God. <laughs> Sterilization. And it was postponed. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, more listeners lost and it was postponed until after she gave birth to her second child in january 2009 uh when it finally got underway the prosecutor for kim's trial placed emphasis on the fact that kim did nothing to save her daughter mm-hmm. not even when riley told her mother i love you as she was being beaten like uh that's that, something like, either of them were able to articulate like to ew. investigators like <sighs> That shows, like, how awful of a mother she was, person. In oh, yeah. To burn, be able to say, hey, burn. my daughter said I love you and I wouldn't stop. Like, oh, that's my awful. God. I'm just picturing this. I know. Uh, they also stated, quote, that there was one thing standing in the way of her true happiness, and that was Riley. And she made sure to get rid of the problem. So Galveston County Medical Examiner Stephen Pustelnik, forensic files, mm-hmm. <laughs> testified. Not, real. <laughs> Not <laughs> real. Testified that any one of the three skull fractures he found during his autopsy could have killed Riley. He also stated that her vertebrae had separated. Uh, I'm not sure which one. I don't know if he meant all of them or just a couple near the head. I'm not really sure. But uh, he said that it would have been very apparent within seconds of one of the fractures that Riley was in need of medical help. Quote, anybody could see that the kid is abnormal and needs medical attention. Symptoms included a change in body temperature, headache, and inability to stand up, which were all symptoms described by Kim in her statement to investigators. She also said that Royce even accused Riley of faking when she was unable to stand. Like, who does that to Two! Yeah, thank you. People suck. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Kim was convicted of capital murder on February 2nd, 2009. Yeah, Cassie just did a fist pump. I did. Uh, it took the jury 90 minutes to reach a verdict. Even better. Yep. She was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. After, Fuck no. After, Chair that bitch. After, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Listeners, they're all gone. So sorry. Uh, actually, we probably gained listeners with that one. <laughs> I forgot we're in Texas. Uh, with the possibility of parole after 38 years. So she is incarcerated in the Mountain View unit in Gatesville, Texas. Her first parole eligibility date is November 24th, 2047. So from what I read, the majority of blame for the beating and torture was placed on Royce. So I personally kind of wanted to know what the true role she had in all of this was. You know, why didn't she stop him or herself? You know, uh, Kim at one point was a fully functioning girl. And I'll go into it a little more in more detail later, but it's very concerning that the fear of being alone and having Royce leave her mainly because of Riley could potentially bring her to this moment. Um, For me, you know, I don't want children. I want animals. So when I see animal abuse, I cringe and I cry and I'm so sad for them. And I'm honestly sad for the humans that we have populated to do that kind of damage. Um, I can't relate to wanting to hurt my own child, but when I picture, you know, my niece or my nephew going through this type of slow death, uh, it's beyond frightening to think of the rage and anger that overcomes a person to do this to a child. 
you know, yes, kids can be frustrating. Mm -hmm. We all are aware of that. But for Royce to not be able to hold back his anger any longer and for Kim to want to stay with him, even still, it kind of clearly shows their mental status or like lack thereof. Yeah. Why did I just say status? Am I British all of a sudden? I liked it. Their mental status. Status. It it worked really well because you were were articulating very well. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So on to Royce's trial. Shortly before Thanksgiving Day, just a few weeks after Riley Ann's body was found, Royce attempted suicide by overdosing on blood pressure medication and prescribed antidepressant pills. Um, I also read that Kim tried to kill herself as well, but I couldn't really find any information on how. He left a suicide note stating, quote, my wife is innocent of the sins I committed. However, he later claimed during his trial that he was in another room of the house when Riley died and therefore could not have been guilty. Oh, because, yeah. Because, like, that's how it works. One thin wall between right. you and a murdered child. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't know. There could be some legal loophole to that theory, but you still need to be charged with hurting her, if anything. Yeah. Prosecution was able to convince the jury that his claims of not being home or sick were all circumstantial and not strong enough to deter from the fact that he admitted to taking the lead in buying supplies to cover up her death, creating the fake CPS letter, and trying to bury her body multiple times, as well as his relaxed and happy behavior noticed months after her death. Like, there was an article I read saying that they, like, went to a freaking, like, business, like, a company barbecue or something, and they were just, like, laughing and having a good time, like... So gross. Oh, my God. Um, His defense that he wasn't involved or wasn't in the room was also shot down by the fact that he had multiple stories when speaking to to the police, which the prosecution said served as evidence that he was conscious of his guilt. Yes. Um, Good work. Good police work. Yeah, right. Or law work or both. Yeah, yeah. Um, Prosecution. Thank you. Okay. Law work. Uh, His admission, however, unclear it was, along with the medical examiner's testimony and crime scene evidence, supported that uh, the inference that Royce intentionally or knowingly caused Riley Ann's death. Um, I'm, again, not sure why and what details gave more evidence to Royce being more heavily involved rather than Kim. I feel like it's really hard to determine based on testimony alone because of course Kim is going to say Royce did everything and she had a minor part in it because who wouldn't if you had the chance to pass blame on someone bigger and stronger and had a history of hating your kid mm-hmm. so I was a little confused at why their sentencings differed uh, if you couldn't totally determine for certain who did what um, I don't know maybe that's just me being like a novice when it comes to litigating and laws in general but I thought it was interesting so yeah Uh, Anyway, Royce was charged with capital murder and evidence uh, tampering. On November 6, 2009, he was convicted and received an automatic sentence of life in prison without possibility of parole. So the sentence was automatic because the state did not seek the death penalty, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. Just, you know, baby white girl, you'd think they would go for the death penalty, but maybe they didn't have enough evidence to push it to that so they didn't want to push it to that yeah and why the why did mother get possibility of parole when you exactly. would think that the mother should have more moral responsibility than the again, child all they're going off of is testimony yeah there's very little evidence so right i'm not really sure i don't know maybe it's i don't know i don't know that's it is very strange um the verdict was reached after four hours and 30 minutes of conversation by the jury he is incarcerated in the Wallace Pack unit near Navasota, Texas. The guilty verdict was bittersweet for Riley's grandmother. Quote, I wish it had never happened, but I'm glad it's over and I'm glad we got the verdict we did. I can try and finally move on. Mm. Um, so I went down a 
great rabbit hole. Ugh. In this case, yes, not fun. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's it's not that long, so I'm gonna like go over it real quick before. Oh we, no, no, no. I don't care about the time. Into... I mean, about your sanity. Like, oh no, the what this case it's has fine. done to me right now. It's terrible, but you know me well enough. I don't really care about kids, but not <laughs> she like that. okay. She doesn't mean she cares about kids. She doesn't. I don't want them to die, but she doesn't. You know, hold any like sort of like kinship towards children. Emotional attachment. Yes. I on the I I. Didn't think I did for a while, but... on the other hand, I'm a human. No, no, no. I, on the other hand, am a fucking sap and want to bring kids into this stupid world for some stupid reason. No, it's fine. No, it's not. Uh, Not okay. So, (laughs) Five more listeners gone. (laughs) Uh, Interesting side note. When I was reading about his attempts to appeal, he referenced a case in which a sentencing was reversed and an acquittal was given in Texarkana. I... Didn't want to put this in, but, like, I just thought it was so insane that I, like, I had to because not only did he reference it, but, like, it's just crazy. So the dispute was on how the child died and if the defendant did it intentionally or knowingly after the information was brought forward in an appeal. Because remember I said in his case the jury determined that he killed her and it was intentional and he did it knowingly. So you mean abuse leading to a death, but it you didn't mean to kill her. Exactly. <sighs> All right, so oh. the defendant, uh, this is the case that he's referencing. The mm-hmm. defendant's stepchildren had made a mess of the house, spreading food and cleaning products all over the floor and surfaces. While the mother cleaned up the mess, she asked him to, quote, go deal with the children. From this, the defendant repeatedly beat one of the children, the two-year-old son. The mother, in turn, ties up the child in a closet for a few minutes by his wrists before taking him down and putting him to bed. The next morning, she found her child was dead. Oh. The uh, medical examiner in the case said she could not pinpoint his exact cause of death, uh, but most most likely it was from blunt force trauma, a.k.a. the beatings from the defendant. She then went on to say that the jury should also take into account, however, that he could have had trouble breathing while hanging in the closet. The evidence would later show that the child had asthma and hadn't received his medicine in two days prior to his death. Kicker is the defendant wasn't home when the child was found dead and repeatedly claims he would never beat any of the children to the point of severely injuring him. Oh, them to the point. Yeah. In that way. Uh, the mother corroborated his accounts and actions as well. The child's injuries matched what the defendant believed the child had sustained from the belt, not blunt force trauma. The police officer who questioned the defendant after the, after the child was found dead also believed that the that the defendant didn't intentionally mean to hurt the child during the beatings. So based on this, the court overturned his murder conviction and stated that they believe that the evidence didn't support a finding that the defendant was aware that his conduct in beating the child was reasonably certain to cause the boy's death. First of all, fuck both of those people. Oh my God. Who hangs their child up? By their wrists in a closet. I didn't get when you first said it that she. Right. I thought you meant she tied her up, tied him up, and put him in the closet, which is no horrifying already. Itself, hung your child right. by like their the, the baby, clod, like the rod, by the wrists that are right. about like exactly quarter sized. Yes. Like, why wasn't the mother looked at further, or you know, was she charged as well? Did they determine that? The mother's actions caused the child to die. Did they think that she purposely placed him in the closet knowing he'd have a hard time breathing because she hadn't given him his medication? Yeah, for she, days? the adult, having right. been. Uh, 
Like, why is that your first option of punishment? Just put them in timeout, you know? That's worked for decades. Yeah. Like, I, I am so... Here goes 10 more listeners. <laughs> I am so against laying a hand on your child. I was, I was spanked as a kid, but I was always... I was very good. I, I was the oldest, so I was very good. My siblings were beat with a belt with, like, buckles and, like, mm-hmm. nodules on it. And my dad used to tell us that, like, his dad used to put a penny on his bare butt and oh. beat him with the belt and he wouldn't stop until that penny mark left like a deep purple of Abe Lincoln on his ass pretty cheek. much yeah <laughs> oh my god I am mm. never gonna lay a fucking hand on my child like well, I like, can't even spank my dog no literally I wrote down don't hit your kid it breeds murderers mm, just don't hit your fucking kids don't touch your kids except to kiss them and hug them and tell them that no matter what they do, you're going to love them and you're going to teach them how to be a human. Not going to fucking hit them I, into being a human. I go into it. Oh, please. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. No, I, no, no. Not, not even now. Oh. I go into it in a minute. I'm but so sick. No, you're fine. Like, I honestly, like, I could see how he didn't mean to hurt the kid that bad because, you know, spanking and hitting a kid with a belt is no foreign concept. Like we just said, you know, it's, yeah. it's been around for it. forever. But yep. to string your two-year-old son up in a closet, like, that's the that go-to like i don't takes it to a whole different level like that's even like number 500 on the list of how to punish your child like didn't just stephen so king say that his mom used to lock him in a closet as part of timeout like a dark closet and oh, that's maybe where that's why he wrote carrie yeah that's oh, that's that's okay. where a lot of his like dark shit came from oh, and like carrie he was lucky that he turned it into these yeah, beautiful yeah, works outlet. of art yeah. it is interesting to me to see how the law works and, you know, it's all in the details and it's never clearly, you know, as black and white as we think it should be. Um, but, you know, those are the details that can put an innocent person away or even a semi-innocent person away in this case specifically, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he may not have caused the death, but he still beat a kid mm-hmm. and that's not right. This is a prime example of why I question how defense attorneys sleep at night. Mm, and I can, yeah, I'm on board with that one. Like, his appeal was, like, a 30-page long thing. I read the whole thing. And the best part was that the judge's response to his appeal was obviously a denial. But it was four sentences long. (laughs) It was great. (laughs) Anyway, um, off the parental rant, uh, post-trial. So, after the trial, the this is really nice. The area that the container Riley Ann was found in has since been named Riley's Island. Yeah, cute, right? Uh, So Robert, Riley Ann's father, is quoted saying that she was uh, fun-loving with a big imagination. He also said she would play with a water hose, spraying the whole patio deck wet until she was done with it. Uh, He says he realized she was obviously a very hyperactive child, but she was also well-behaved. They were in total shock that anyone could do this to a child, let alone a mother to her own daughter. Um... I personally think that a lot of Riley's behavior was exaggerated by Kim and Royce because of the fact that obviously, you know, Royce didn't want kids around and Kim was just too young to grasp that maternal instinct and go with it. Yeah. Uh, She didn't want to be in charge of someone else and didn't care. Um, Riley wasn't positively taught how to behave. She was just reprimanded and beaten when she didn't act how they wanted her to. Mm -hmm. You know, just like we were saying, you know, with animals... You shouldn't beat a dog for doing something you never taught them how not to do. Right. But people do it all the time. Yes. So disciplining your child child takes patience and consistency. And any parent who truly cares about their child will tell you that. But 
Think about the unfit parents or the parents who didn't even plan on having or wanting a child. They definitely don't have the patience or time Mm -hmm. to dedicate to raising and teaching a child anything. You know, your heart has to be in it. Um, Even, you know, even then it's hard to be a mom or a dad. Yeah. um, Even when everything is textbook going perfectly for you, it's going to be the most difficult thing you ever do. So 17-year-olds, unless they have a phenomenal support system can't do it when she, there's no 17 year old in the world no. that would be able to do that well and i'm not saying like own. i cut them any slack because what they did was absolutely ridiculous but when you made the choice to not wear a condom or not get an abortion then you better fucking be ready to deal with the consequences and when you're 16 and spend the next two years playing fucking video games and living in a fantasy world i guarantee you're not giving two shits about anyone or anything but yourself yep I so agree. i agree so riley ann was buried back in ohio And at a memorial, about 200 people gathered at a Catholic church and released three or three, 30 pink helium filled balloons. At the same time, since the case went nationwide, people in more than 20 countries launched hundreds of other balloons in honor of Riley. This is pretty cool. Each was tied with a message urging an end to child abuse. Side note, don't do the balloon releasing stuff. It's pretty polluted. Well, it birds get tangled and they die so i didn't know that yeah. i thought just like when they got to the atmosphere and they popped and they like come back down it's just like Probably rubber too, but yeah. still <laughs> um okay so questions and theories tonight i mainly have facts with a little theory thrown in i have a lot of oh i don't want to say a lot because i don't want you guys to get bored but it's fucking interesting because it's like holy crap these people are insane mm-hmm I honestly wanted a big psychological scandal to happen when I researched this whole thing. Instead, I found myself truly concerned that this, you know, teenage girl went from a life that was normal, supported, and although, you know, not full, not fully void of its share of problems, you know, she ended up this way and ended up having a hand in her own, the killing of her own child. So I wanted to find a possible reason for why this happened, not only to Riley Ann, but to Kim and Royce. Mm Mm-hmm. So I found a term used to describe the situation with Kim. And personally, I have to agree and think this whole thing was not fully, but partially uh, was based on an act called escapism, which by definition means a habitual diversion of the mind to purely imaginative activity or entertainment as an escape from reality or routine. Yeah. So I have a good amount of information that actually points to an environmental issue rather than a literal mental issue, at least in Kim's case. So I'm going to go into a couple topics that concerned me and could shed some light on what was going on with Kim and Royce. Okay. So the first is teen pregnancy and its effects. Interesting shit. Okay. So once I read that Kim was a girl with a 3.8 GPA, she was social, popular, friendly, outgoing, etc., This case struck me as odd because, you know, yes, people change in their teens and early 20s. On top of all the gaming stuff, which we'll get into, I read an article that said research found that girls ranging from 15 to 19 experienced postpartum depression at a rate that was twice as high as women age 25 and older. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's already I feel like postpartum depression is really scary. It's still scary because you're supposed to be enjoying this time. And, I can't imagine yeah. twice that. Right. Wow. Okay. I did not know that. So the side effects are difficulty bonding with your baby, mm. overwhelming fatigue, feeling worthless, anxiety, panic attacks, thinking of harming yourself or your baby. 
difficulty enjoying activities you once did. So all of those things to me make sense. Perhaps she didn't bond with Riley. She herself was so young. She had to give up, you know, her prime teen years to be a mother and maybe she held it against her. You know, she obviously kind of inadvertently had to drift away from her friends and high school life to stay home and take care of her child. But in turn, you know, she was directed towards a video game that she found solace and purpose in and passed off the majority of her child rearing responsibilities onto her grandmother, Cheryl. So I think that's one thing that could be a supporting player in the crime. Yep. Um, We can move on to the second thing I felt was compelling. And this is the controversial gaming aspect of this whole thing. Uh, which was very enlightening to me. So this comes from an article I read on how gaming affects the brain and mental health. I really don't want this to turn into this like weird conspiracy against video games or whatever. This just so happened to be a defining issue at hand in the crime. So I'm going to address it. So, quote, games have many consequences in the brain, and most are not obvious. They happen at a level that overt behaviors do not immediately reflect. Because the effects are subtle, many people think video games are simply benign entertainment. Dozens of psychological studies indicate that uh, playing violent video games increases aggressive thoughts, feelings, and behaviors and in both short and long-term effects. This makes sense from psychological and cognitive neuroscience perspective stating humans learn what they practice. So if you spend a lot of time doing something, you're going to take away something from it. So this is kind of... A little confusing, but it I have to leave it in there because it makes a very good point. So when playing a high violence video game, players accustomed to such games show lower activity in the rostral anterior cingulate cortex, also known as the RACC, whereas players who were used to playing low violence games displayed higher activity. So basically, in layman's terms, this difference suggests that gamers who often play violent games may be desensitized to aggression and violence in real life. Mm-hmm. So this part of the brain, uh, this is where functions like reward anticipation, decision making, ethics, morality, impulse control, and emotion are centered and also activate other parts of the brain to help with monitoring conflict. I also read that studies on this cortex show that damage to this area can cause inability to detect errors, emotional instability, inattention, and a kinetic mutism, which is basically lacking the desire to speak or move, neither here nor there. There is also evidence that damage to the ACC is present in patients with schizophrenia, ADHD, and OCD. So this really kind of put a lot of things into perspective for me because it makes some sense that if both of them played this game for hours on end, you know, killing someone or causing harm to someone may not be as far-fetched as we'd like to think. And also Royce's childhood abuse could have led to some head trauma, mm-hmm. which possibly could be linked back to damage in a similar brain area. Yep. Just a thought. Um, anyway, so despite those scientific statements, when I personally went on a WoW player forum, which was super weird, I read multiple messages that the game actually brought positivity to their lives. It helped them succeed socially in the real world. The majority of negative opinions were like the veteran players that were just like, like I was here first, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Some people actually said it helped with their aggression as well. I know that World of Warcraft isn't necessarily the most violent game out there, but it does hold properties that could be classified as such. I'm not trying to put blame, entire blame on this video game. I'm just simply stating my opinion, you know, from a psychological perspective. Okay. Um, So just for like shits and giggles, I thought I'd reference... Uh, a couple other quick instances of violence and neglect on others due to gaming because it was kind of funny. 
Not really funny, but interesting. So 2007, 2005, sorry. A Chinese man killed a fellow gamer by stabbing him in the chest because he sold a virtual sword that the man had won in a popular game called Legend of Myrrh 3. Again in 2005, a Chinese couple left their four-month-old infant at home for five hours while they went to an, inter- an inter- internet cafe uh, to play World of Warcraft. When oh. the couple returned, the infant was found dead due to suffocation. So we can't clearly state that Kim's part in her daughter's death was based on a video game or postpartum issues, but I do believe that both of those things, plus her age and influence of Royce, was the perfect combination to alter a young girl's mind. I would also like to know if she and Royce did any drugs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, last but not least, I'm going to briefly touch on the whole filicide thing. So like I said, parasite filicide, we went over that. Um so there are different types of filicide. Early studies showed that women who killed their chil- children were actually uh, still lactating. So doctors thought the hormonal imbalance was a major contributing factor. As the years progressed, uh, doctors believed women killed their children due to being too young and being forced into you know, sexual relations with an arranged marriage. And then by 69, there were five different types of filicide that are still used today. And then in 73, another type was developed and it was strictly based on the impulse to kill. And it was solely about fathers slash father figures who kill. So the number one reason is for the fathers in this category uh, is to kill the, quote, unwanted child by assault or neglect. Exactly what they did. Um, Yeah. So to pretty much wrap up all these statistics and things that will kind of make you scratch your head and wonder why I took you down all that, um, I obviously don't know Royce or Kim, but I do think both of them suffered from past mental problems and current environmental problems. You know, they, they were really the demise of their life and they took an innocent life of a child. And I don't think people realize that you know, postpartum depression and chemical imbalances in media or staring at a computer can actually be a part of paving the way to a horrendous crime like this. Because we always wonder, why do people do things like this? And maybe it's not always the underlying like psychosis or mental disease that we are so self-convinced, you know, that is the source of their actions. Maybe it's the stuff that is common and almost hiding in plain sight. Yeah. I agree. I don't know. That was a lot of information. I'm sorry. I just like, I thought it was really interesting and hopefully everyone else thought it was interesting. I I did. I wrote a couple of notes about it, but to touch on what you just said, like you want to rationalize it Mm -hmm. as if, oh, they have to be a psychopath. They have to be a sociopath because we know that those are rare portions of the population, but you're right. It's not always that case. Like in a case like this, it's because of shit like postpartum depression Mm -hmm. or you know all the other all the stuff that you mentioned just like piling on top of one another and then you have a weak person that can like fall victim to all the bad shit that comes with this and it doesn't have to be some mental deficiency or abnormality it's like Mm -hmm. it really it puts in perspective how fucked up human beings can be what we're capable of Mm -hmm. and i wrote like I definitely agree about the video games, like everything you said, um, but I believe it has to be based on the person, the individual mm-hmm. and their like level of self-control and then also their age. If you're really young and your brain is still mm-hmm. developing and developing the way you, because I wrote down like how people talk to each other during playing those games yeah. and like with your headsets. Like I used to listen to my little brothers talk to people and it was the way they talked about women was disgusting, the way they like talk to each other, the 
cursing I'm okay with when you're 13 like it's kind of like yeah but the things they would talk about and how they would cavalierly talk about like murder and killing and like they make it sound so casual yeah and that's for a developing psyche for a developing brain that's not necessarily cool and I couldn't I couldn't find too much information about Royce growing growing up besides his abuse yeah so I could only assume uh, you know, he socialized enough to where he could marry four times, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So, but I don't know about his friendships. I don't know. You know, he seemed in one article I read, you know, he said he was like this big executive for Shell and like did all this oil and gas trading and bullshit. And that was the stuff he told Kim to kind of reel her in. But, you know, that's behind a computer screen, mm-hmm. you know, in real life, he did work for Shell, but on a much lower scale. Mm. So it wasn't a total lie, but you're used to putting that persona out. You're not yourself. Yeah. And I don't know what other factors would go into his personality being off in the first place, if you will. Yeah. But I totally agree. Yeah. It's, you can't like put a blanket over video games and say they're bad and harmful. Mm -hmm. And that's not at all what you're trying to do. But people do that and people say, you know, widespread, they're harmful and they're bad for you. It has to be taken case by case. Everything Mm -hmm. has to be taken case by case and individual by individual or else we're not going to get anywhere because people... And those statistics are are very general. Like, I mean, it's... But I I did agree with them because I I mean, I saw that, I see that with, I don't know if they listen to the podcast. Um, there's a member of my family who plays video <laughs> games, <laughs> but they are very detached mm-hmm. from reality and from their life and they use it as an escapism and then sometimes maybe aren't confronting, like some of the issues in their life just kind of get worse and worse and worse yeah, and they don't they confront don't them. Yeah. yeah, because they have this escapism and as an escapist, like that's a cool thing. That's, it's a nice thing to have. Like I used to play video games to escape and it's okay. But it's still, I mean, if you're constantly looking at guns and shooting and violence and and murder and death and it's... Look at us. I mean, how much shit do we have to watch? Like, I'm so paranoid of Mm -hmm. everything and everyone. Yes. And it's because I watch and read and listen about murder constantly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's going to seep into your brain. If you watch My Little Pony enough, you're going to think you have rainbow hair. Yeah. It's just, it's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to it's gonna seep in and sometimes it's okay like if we watch and pay attention to true crime and and terrible yeah, things that happen yeah we we might arm ourselves better with the knowledge of what could happen to mm-hmm. us or we could go, go kill fucking, yeah we could go kill or someone we or we can go insane total freak and like yeah just we could become yeah. exactly shut-ins it's like you have to go case by case mm-hmm. and so i think in these two people's cases like so many things stacked up against them and I don't know this escapism is. and it, I mean when it boils down to it they were shitty horrifying people the fact that I feel like if she hadn't been an active participant with him that would have meant that she was like opposing what was happening she was you know scratching right. at him beating him trying to save her child in some way and that would make lead me to believe that during the trial and everything like he would take a total different stance on Mm -hmm. things you know and so would she she would make all these claims against him and build him up to sound way more abusive than he may have been or maybe as abusive as he was Mm -hmm. um but that didn't seem to happen so that makes me think that she was an equal player and like i said the brother showed them a picture of her you know sketch and like she didn't have anything to say or emotion and it was like 
you know, maybe you're looking at the other guy like, are they going to own up to it? Mm -hmm. Or should I play cool? But if you're a true, not a true mom, but yeah, a true mom. A true mom, yeah. You know, like you would break down. Like you have a human life growing in you for nine months. That's why adoption is such a hard thing to do. For sure. Because you have that like animalistic attachment. And so it it had to have been some sort of postpartum depression that mm-hmm. detached her so much. And that's a terrible thing. And it's so sad. And it needs to be talked about more because it's a normal thing. It's not normal to be so detached that, you know, two years later, you're still so detached that this is just a, a burden. an inconvenience yeah. in your life and you can get rid of it. Like, but, like, I wonder if she was still with Robert, the father. Mm-hmm. Would How this have happened? things would have happened, yeah. Would she have still been, like, iffy about her own kid or would she have just put up with it or would they have, you know, she would have come around yeah. after, you know, so long. But I think that's why I mean of, like, Maybe she wasn't super thrilled to be 18 and have a two-year-old. I mean, who would? No offense. Yeah. But to have a guy that's also breathing down your neck of like, I hate her, I hate her, I hate her, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow on you. And you're going to be like, you know what? I agree. Yeah. Let's get rid of her. And I also wrote down, like, at first I had a very bad opinion about this, uh, her grandmother. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, I wrote, um, if grandma was the caregiver, why did she not call CPS when the teenage mother took her and moved her to a different state? But then again, you think, like, I don't know. Because they couldn't prove the abuse. Exactly. And so she was just like, well, like she is was, beating she her was up, in a very yeah, get out of there. difficult box. Yeah. So I can see, and I'll say this, I could see why maybe he let the anger get to him because this isn't his kid. Does it make it right? Absolutely not. Yeah. If he was already a shitty and, right. like, abusive person, person. then, of yeah. course, easy but step. To have Kim, like, no. I don't want to talk about her anymore. Like, no. I, let's, let's move on. Yeah. That's okay. Riley and Sawyer's sweet little baby. Go to Riley's Island and yeah. make a wish or wear some pink stuff. Yeah. Little baby. <laughs> okay. So this week I am discussing the murder of Karen Coslow. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just dive right in. I know nothing about this. I didn't research any of it. So this is the first week that I don't know anything about Yay! Cassie's murder. Okay, so Karen, go for it. Yes, so in 1992, Karen and Jack Coslow lived in the Westover Hills um, area of Fort Worth, Texas. Um, It's a very rich area. The Rivercrest Country Club is within its bounds. Um, There are giant mansions, you know, hoity-toity white people stuff. Um, Probably other demographics, but (laughs) when you think of, like, Fort Worth, Texas, like, you think of big hair, blonde, white ladies. Horrible southern accent. And thank you. I'm very glad I can't do a good one. <laughs> Karen and Jack lived in a 4,000 square foot pink mansion in Ew. Westover Hills. It's disgusting. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the early 90s, so oh. still pretty gaudy from the 80s. Um, Karen actually came from old oil money. She was very, very rich, and she was kind of a, you know, a trust fund child, as if, you know. Trust fund child, whatever. She was fucking rich because of her granddaddy and her dad. Um, Jack was also very rich. Um, He was, at this time in 1992, a helicopter pilot. Um, But he was formerly a bank vice president. um, And that's how he and Karen met. Um, They were at the height of the Fort Worth um, social scene. They would go to symphonies, galas, uh, benefits. They were a huge supporter of the arts. Um, I read a lot of things that were like, they were not, you know, at the center of 
the high life they were at the pinnacle of it so they were the couple to be they both came from money they were money 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 um jack had an adopted daughter named christy um she was from his first marriage and she lived with her mother paula um, so in 1992, Jack was 48, Karen, his wife, was 40, and Christy was 17. Um, I believe Karen had at least one child. It was not brought up anywhere, so I'll, I'll kind of go into why I figure this, but I don't have any names, so I feel like maybe it was just preemptive. I don't know. Okay. So <laughs> on March 12, 1992, a bloody and beaten Jack Coslow pounds on his neighbor's door begging for help and to have the ambience, ambulance called for his wife. His throat had been slashed and he thought Christy, I'm sorry, not Christy, he thought Karen had been killed. Um, Karen's throat was indeed cut and she had blunt force trauma uh, to her head and all of her body that were consistent with a crowbar. Shit. Yes. A knife was found at the scene of the crime in the couple's bedroom. Forensic examiner Dr. Nazim Pirwani said that he had never seen so much blood at a homicide. Um, the brutality of the crime suggested that it was a crime of passion. Um, Karen was indeed dead at the scene, if I didn't already say that. She actually died from a crushed larynx. So she suffocated larynx. to death. What? Larynx? It's not larynx? <laughs> no, it's larynx. <laughs> I've never heard it said out loud. It's really? one of those things that you just read. Yeah. What? You never took, like, science? I took <laughs> geology, so I took rocks. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Laring. Okay, so. Like laryngitis? Like a windpipe? Sure. Can I say windpipe? Go for it. All right. Too late. <laughs> Jesus, God. So she was killed by a crush. Laring. We're very uh, critical of each other. This <laughs> we episode. are. We are. It's good. It's good. It's a self-improvement um and those injuries were consistent with a crowbar so she died of suffocation and her neck was slit post-mortem that creeps me out so hard when i hear about people suffocating you you think like a pillow over the face but when you hear like a bar a piece of metal on someone's throat ew yeah go away it's so terrifying um so after all of this you know it looks like it's a crime of passion all the blunt force injuries um, Jack was the number one suspect despite his um, neck wound. He also had bite marks on his hands and he told investigators that he had turned the alarm on, but it was not on. Um, Jack also remembered waking up and being beaten, but he didn't remember being cut. And four whole hours had passed between the attack and Karen's time of death and his approaching the neighbor's house begging for help. Um, the knife was also his own part of a collection he had. Rumors kind of floated around town at this point that they had a rocky relationship. Um, they had sought um, marital counseling. Um, the media really honed in on Jack mm-hmm. as a culprit for his wife's murder. Um, his daughter, Christy, conducted a press conference coming to his father's defense. Her Coming to her father's defense, I wrote his. Um, and a lot of his family members came to his defense, um, kind of character witnesses saying that he was a great man, he would never do this. Christy said um, about her and her stepmother, Karen, we were as close as stepdaughter and stepmother could be. I don't think anyone hated Karen, dot, dot, dot. It's scary. Um, she conducted this press conference on her family's mansion lawn. Um, yeah. It was speculated that 
Jack actually self-inflicted his wounds after killing his wife. Public opinion held him guilty and pressure became began to trickle down from the higher-ups in the police department and the investigation because so much circumstantial evidence had mm-hmm. been mounted upon him that it, you know, convict him, find some cause to arrest him for this murder. Um, people were so convinced that he had done this. They were absolutely shocked that he attended Karen's, he attended Karen's funeral. Um, he attended it with bandages on his neck and on his hands. At the scene of the crime, investigators found that only Jack's... Wait, on his hands? Why? On his uh, he had bite marks. Oh, bite marks. Bite marks. Yeah, thank yes. you, thank you. Um, so only Jack's $1,200 watch and $120 cash were missing from the home. So it did not seem that the crime was robbery-based. Mm-hmm. It was not a theft-motivated crime. It was kind of looking like a kill-for-hire situation, and public opinion thought that Jack was the one who killed, he had Karen killed for hire. Um, investigators were almost sure it was Jack until two weeks after the crime <laughs> occurred. That's when they got a phone call from a Paul Correo, who is a 20-year-old local, you know, he lived around the Fort Worth area. Um, he called investigators on March 24th, because he had a burden on his mind that he could not hold in any longer. Um, He said, I've got some things you need to take a look at. He had a bloody tire tool and a bundle of bloody clothing that his friend Jeffrey Dillingham, a 19-year-old former schoolmate, had asked him to dispose of. Um, He said that Jeffrey Dillingham showed up at his house, said, you know, something along the lines of, you think you've had a bad day? I just murdered somebody. And then handed him a backpack filled with these items and asked him to dispose of them. Um, With this information, police went and arrested the then video store employee. Um, Blockbuster? I am assuming. (laughs) Hopefully. Either Blockbuster or Hollywood Video Man. In Texas, at least. That was the height of it. (laughs) Um. (laughs) They went and arrested Dillingham, and he immediately confessed um, in a very kind of cold and matter-of-fact way, just reading through what happened, what he did, what he was a part of. Um, He also named another accomplice, 19-year-old Brian Salter. Um, The story was they entered the home wielding guns and the tire and iron, and they beat, brutalized, and killed Karen. Um, They also brutalized Jack, and he tried to get his gun, but they overtook him and knocked him unconscious. At this point, Karen was already dead. And Salter was actually the one who slit her throat post-mortem. Um, he was the one who also wielded the knife and slit Jack's throat. They would have finished Jack off if Salter's thirty-two caliber pistol hadn't accidentally discharged into the floor of the couple's bedroom, and they fled, fearing that a neighbor had heard. He also named another accomplice. This is 17-year-old Christy Coslow, mm. the adopted daughter of Jack. She actually had provided the pair with an alarm code, a diagram of the house, and promise of a million dollars each once she collected her inheritance from her slain That's stepmother her and father. Mm-hmm. Police arrested uh, Christy and her fiancé, Brian Salter, on March 24th, 1992, and they immediately confessed. Dillingham, um, it was found later in 
the statements to police that Dillingham was the assailant who beat the couple and Salter was the one who slit their throats. It came out later that despite her press conference and expression of adoration for her father and stepmother, Christy hated her stepmother. She referred to her as the very popular stepmother, or um, stepmother, step monster instead of stepmother, and also step bitch. Whoa. Um, she was furious that she didn't have more money given to her from Karen's estate. Um, she felt very entitled to not only her adopted father's mother. The wine. The wine. Adopted father's. She, I'm just going to start all over. Cool. She not only felt entitled to her adopted father's money, ah. um, but she felt entitled to her stepmother's as well. Okay. Um, she was remarked as being a decent student. She didn't do drugs. She didn't, she didn't have an alcohol problem at that young age. Um, but she was very lazy and irresponsible. She often cut class. She never held a job ever. Um, and she was not very intelligent. Um, Christy and Brian have decided that they were going to marry and share Christy's inheritance, which she assumed would be $12 million. What? Yeah. They had actually been touring different mansions in the area and looking at luxury cars, planning out what they would spend their inheritance on. This is good. Bail was set for all three of them at $500,000 and then later increased to a million dollars each when more charges were added on. And this was in 92? 92. Dang. Oh, yeah. Oh. Good job. So yeah. that money is a lot. Yeah. Today's standards. Um, Jeffrey and Brian were both charged with capital murder and Christy was charged with conspiracy to commit capital murder. A um, little bit of an interesting tidbit about this Karen had actually drawn up a will in 1990. Um, very smart. She entered into a new marriage. He had a dependent on him. She wrote in her will that natural-born children would be included, but stepchildren would not be. So Christy was Ouch. written out of the will um, as if she was ever in it. And her husband, Jack, if she passed before him, would not receive anything that she had drawn up in a trust for him until Christy was no longer his financial responsibility. So Karen, two years prior to her murder, had already written her yeah. freeloading stepdaughter. stepdaughter of a stepdaughter out of the will. Yeah. So they didn't like each other. No. Um, Christy definitely played up to the media that her and Karen were as close as can be. Her mm -hmm. and her father was as close as can be. But... In reality, I believe Karen saw Christy for what she right. was, and Christy was a spoiled little fucking brat. Um, so go tour my mansion. Jack was shocked and appalled at this. As we said, he did not really remember the attack. That's why police were so suspicious at him. He didn't remember anything aside from waking up and being beaten, and then he woke up and his wife was dead on the floor next to him, and he didn't call for police in his own home, which was also kind of suspicious, but. I don't know. Maybe he needed another human being to help him out. Like, and also his blood was rushing from his body, so we right. can't really say that he can think straight. I don't even know how he can talk. I know. But. Oh God. Um. So he was shocked and appalled, and he s wanted the prosecution to seek the death penalty for Christie. The trial began in 1994. I 
looked for a lot of sources. I could not pinpoint the day or the month, but um, it began in 1994. Brian and Christy both uh, took a plea bargain and pled guilty of murder, and they both got life in prison with possibility of parole in 2027. So 10 Ah. years from now. Um, Jeffrey Dillingham chose not to take the plea bargain and was actually sentenced to death. Um, He was put to death in... January, oh, I'm sorry, November 1st of the age two, year 2000 at the age 27. Um, Christy is still held in a women's prison in the hobby unit, and Brian is held okay, in the girl. Alfred Hughes unit. Uh-huh, she's close. <laughs> um, I did write down that the prosecutor was Robert Mayfield. Um, Jack has since remarried. He still lives in Fort Worth, but he sold the house that he and Karen yeah, lived in Yeah, because it was together. fucking pink. Oh, yeah. Gross. Terrible house, oh, I'm terrible sorry, memories. Karen. I'm sorry, Karen. <laughs> um, and before we move into questions and theories, even though there won't be that many because it's pretty straightforward. So remember, Brian Salter and Christy, they were engaged. They were dating. Dillingham was said to be, I guess I can kind of go into this. Uh, Dillingham was said to be a very bright, um, smart, fun, happy young man um, who was brought into this based solely off of greed and that's the only reason anyone can justify it i read that he had a fiance um that he was doing pretty well for himself he came from a loving uh, affluent family so it was literally just greed and the poisoning of someone who is said to be very 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 manipulative manipulative and who had a stronghold over her boyfriend christy mm-hmm. so um that was said about uh dillingham his final meal yes, was yes favorite one cheeseburger with american cheddar and mozzarella cheese without mayonnaise mustard or onions a large french what? fry yeah i don't know so i guess it probably came from mcdonald's Sorry. or something um a large french fry a bowl of macaroni and cheese lasagna with two slices of garlic bread oh yeah four ounces of Nacho cheese. Ew. So I'm you assuming he that? drank it or he just dipped everything in it. Um, three large cinnamon rolls. Fuck yeah. Five scrambled eggs and eight pints of chocolate milk. His final I'm sorry, words. That's disgusting. It's like the, I was like on board and now I'm grossed out. If he had soda or something or a beer or a liquor, <laughs> that would be better than eight chocolate pints? milk. Yeah. Pints, not just eight ounces. That's like, like that this tall chocolate milks. <laughs> But whatever, it's your death meal. Um, his final words, man, this kind of goes into questions and theories because kind of, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, but his final words were, I would just like to apologize to the victim's family for what I did. I take full responsibility for that poor woman's death, for the pain and suffering inflicted on Mr. Coslow. Father, I want to thank you for all the beautiful people you put in my life. I could not have asked for two greater parents than you gave me. I could just ask for two greater people in their life now. It is a blessing that there are people that they love so much, but even more so, people that I love so much. I thank you for all the things you have done in my life, for the ways that you have opened my eyes, softened my heart, the ways that you have taught me, for teaching me how to love, for all the bad things you've taken out of my life, for all the good things you've added to it. I thank you for all the beautiful promises that you make Make us in your word, and I graciously received every one of them. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for getting me off. Oh, this is stupid. Uh, for getting me off of death row and for bringing me home out of prison. I love you, Heavenly Father. I love you, Jesus. 
Thank you both for loving me. Amen. She just lit up into flames reading that, just so you know. <sighs> I kind of did. It like... <laughs> Father. Just kidding. I'm sorry. That was offensive. I don't mean to offend. More listeners. Um. So he. He sounds sad. Yeah. He appealed multiple times. Um. There. There was a lot going on in his appeals. Like I could literally scroll up and read them. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different appeals, and the basis of one of them, one of the main ones, was that it was unfair. That by not taking the plea bargain, he was sentenced to death when Christy and Brian both took a plea bargain, even though they had already, you know, admitted to their crime. And I, ha- I just circled plea bargain like 18 times on yeah. the paper because I hate plea bargains. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them because it's like, why? Especially in this case, why was a plea bargain necessary? I don't know. Is it just because they were because rich? Because they wanted to give more information. I don't know. I don't plea bargains. Literally, I don't even care to get information on them because they piss me off so much. Yeah. Because like you said, he admitted to something that they also admitted to, but he didn't take the plea bargain. So how come he gets it? It, it, it is not fair. It shows no. the flaws in the justice system that yep. we have because it's like this guy gets less time or gets the benefits of this or that because they're giving you information or they're not admitting to this to avoid the death penalty or what the fuck ever. I hate him. Yeah. And it like them. the only I was I thought about it a lot, and the only thing I could maybe come up with as to why he was p- given death was because it was drawn that through all accounts that he was the one who actually beat and brutalized them with the tire iron. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, that's what the bites were on Jack's hand. They were actually imprints from the tire iron that looked okay. Like bites. Yeah, because I had like. These are obvious defense wounds that they do, you know, a mouth impression on any of these people to see if they were actual bite marks from if they matched like their teeth. You know what I'm saying? They honestly didn't need to because everyone sang like a bird. Um, They said exactly what happened and what went down. And the fact that it was Dillingham's (laughs) blow that actually killed Karen might be the only reason he was put to death. But also Salter slit her throat. Right. That's they what I'm probably, they, it's they like weren't overkill. Smart. Yeah, they weren't smart enough, I don't believe, to know that she was already dead. So in his mind, Salter probably drew the final blow, which is why mm. they cut Jack's throat because okay. that still didn't even kill God, Jack. How did he survive? I don't know. How like did he's he talk lucky. To anyone? Like, that's crazy. He's fucking lucky. And the fact that and the fact none of these kids had a prior record. Um, Salter being Christie's boyfriend, fiance, um, promised all this, all these riches, all this grandiose life. I, I can't even empathize or see it because it's so far fetched from my ability as a human. I guess dumb teenagers, like mm-hmm. you just, I, you, you idealize things and you don't take into account real life, you know, consequences of what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Dillingham, it's, it was a general consensus in everything I read like, read, like, why did this kid do it aside from greed? And no one feels like that was enough of a reason. So people felt like Salter had a kind of control on him as well. Yeah, and social aspect of things. Yeah. And it's just fucking nuts, dude. Like, kill two people for a million dollars and you're... 19 years old and you've did nothing to like you think you're getting a million dollars but she's full of crap she doesn't even know what's happening million dollars she doesn't Karen's know. estate was valued at a million yeah sorry no you've been lied to she's yeah. stupid 
why do teenagers do the things that they do? Yeah. It's crazy. What, like, I don't even, in this case, it's like a what happened to you. It's like these were rich area, spoiled kids who thought the world was owed to them. Mm-hmm. And whatever they had to do, like they're smart. They have the world figured the fuck out, and like everything's gonna be fine. And that's obviously not how shit happens. Like, and the fact that they all cracked immediately is just right. hilarious to me. I wrote down like she planned it. Oh, so yeah. why I hate that the the people who plan it are just charged with conspiracy because they didn't do the act. It's I always wonder. And, you know, it's very subjective. It goes both ways, obviously, because in some cases, yeah, they were just the planners. Yeah, you take it taste by case by case. But why in this situation, you know, clearly she instigated it. Clearly she asked these guys to be a part of it. She promised them something based on multiple testimonies, et cetera, et cetera. Why wasn't she given the same sentencing as them? Yeah. You know, I never, I'll never understand that because it's like, just because you didn't do it doesn't mean you didn't think about doing that. And then we can get into like crime. Or thought crime, and we're not going to go there. But it, it, it's, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, especially the fact that the victim is saying, seek the death penalty. Mm -hmm. I want you to seek the death penalty. Like, like, I understand the justice system is the justice system, and it's not an eye for an eye situation. But when you have something like, your wife is murdered next to you, you were almost murdered, you should have a say. If you're going to survive something like that and then just justice isn't served, like she's in jail forever. Cool. Like, which, first of all, her name was Christy Coslow, which, again, forensic files. Yep. Uh-huh. You guys, get oh. on board with my conspiracy. And okay? you, you want to know something that really bugged me? What? Karen is spelled with a C. Ew. And Coslow is with a K. So it should have been. It reversed. Karen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gross. So, yeah, that, that bugged the shit Stupid. out of me. She's probably going to get her appeal. She's going to get out on an appeal. Ten years, right? Not on an appeal, on a... Parole. Parole. Yeah. Yeah. So that's ten years from now, so she was... And she'll probably go change her name and get a whole new life Mm -hmm. and start all over, like all the other crazies. I can't remember how I actually found this one. I I believe it was on Murderpedia, and I was just doing my scroll, 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 click, random, whatever thing. Um... This was covered by this show called Behind Mansion oh, Walls. Yes. Let's get to this. Season one, episode one, Behind Mansion Walls. It's gonna be good. Oh man, this guy, he's wearing a weirdly colored pinstripe suit and then a different colored and different direction striped bow tie. And he just sits in a chair and he's just like, they forgot, they, they checked all their alarms and they locked all their doors, but they forgot about the monster that lurked within king has fallen and thus so has the queen like stupid shit like that the dramatizations are pretty horrible and very liberally written like you can tell that they did they had a lot of creative freedom with what they decided to put out for this crime um but they did interview some actual people fake shit yeah just like ad-libbing like i don't like you like man can't I just be here to just like see my parents? Meh, give me money. Meh, oh, so like, just, like stupid shit like acting. that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It was terrible. Oh, I remember where I was going. It was <sighs> so like naturally soap opery mm-hmm. already on Definitely. its own. Yeah. And so it was Pink picked house. up by a couple different yeah. shows and it's just like ridiculous height of Fort Worth mm-hmm. money. And at Shoulder one point he says, and, like hairspray. 
But Karen was actually beautiful and blonde, and she did have the feathered hair, but she kind of looked like Princess Di in one of the photos I saw of her. Uh, Christy was a little bit chubby, but she was pretty. You know, she was typical, like... This reminds me of... Gluttonous uh, white American. (laughs) But yeah, so it was such a soap opera that people, like, it already had played out as a soap opera. Everyone thought Jack did it, and then all of a sudden these fucking three teenagers come in and try to mastermind this, like... Something that obviously was going to be in the public eye, Mm -hmm. spotlight, like morons. Morons, and one of which probably got an unfair sentencing based off of the other two, but they all should have been put to death, I think. Just because, well, you got to find people that are right for this. You got to find people that are already kind of like, yeah, I could kill somebody. I think I could do it. Like, that's something that most people might think, like, I could kill somebody if my life was being directly threatened. Mm. That's something I can imagine myself doing, but not like, yeah, I don't know. Bitch made me mad. For a million dollars. Yeah, a million dollars. You know you're just going to be 19 and blow that on drugs and cars immediately. I wonder, like, what her her life with her mother was like. You know what I mean? I wonder, did her, you know other side of her family just really neglect her you know she said she was chubby or whatever like maybe she just struggled with actually fitting in more so than we're led on to think maybe because everyone struggled with definitely went to demonizing know? her immediately so no one really delved into her past and like mm-hmm. the underlying issues on this aside not that from it greed. makes it right but oh it doesn't she was going but through a lot more and she yeah. envied karen and on top of all the will stuff i don't know but then again that goes back to what we said earlier like we want to, as humans, find a deeper reason for someone to be so sick and do something like this. And sometimes it's just... She sucks. People suck. Well, I'm sorry, Karen. Yeah, Karen. You had bad taste, but you shouldn't have died from because of it. It's no. Fine. And fuck you, Christy. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. I hope you have some, like, little radio thing and you, like, Google search your name. And this podcast shows oh. up on your search one day. Like, cause I, well, she it makes- can't because there's net neutrality now. Oh, lack, that's lack true. That would be the only good thing about net neutrality, that prisoners couldn't listen to podcasts about them. More listeners lost. Ugh. Yeah, so in summation, before we go through our finisher thing, sentences, sign a petition, do something. Yeah. Like, pick, pick something that doesn't, like, fuck with your anxiety, that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. Just do something. It's about as political I really want to get on this podcast. That was a really political episode. Yeah. And it's all be just because, like, this fucking policy, like, it benefits literally still everyone. I'm still going to fucking do it. I want another podcast just about politics so much, but I'm not informed enough. So you I, sound informed. I don't know anything. That's I'm why I said really you're good at sounding like, informed. But oh, wow. yeah, man, I, I block it out. Anxiety to the max. So, yeah, go sign a petition, go rescue an animal, go yep. buy a plant, make enrich your life with the beautiful things around you like plants and animals. Yes. Not pink houses. Or art degrees. We digress. <laughs> no one cares. We lost <laughs> no all of our listening. listeners. No one's listening. <laughs> um do you want to close this out sure um so thank you guys so much for listening we really both hope you enjoyed this episode despite our ramblings and despite the slight politicism um but once again please don't forget to rate review and subscribe and be sure to check out our social media for photos on these cases links to our sources we'll be putting the show notes as usual if you guys want some more information and we'll be back next week with more texas or 
Nope. This is where I need to change. I need to. That's where you this. screw up. Thank you. Yay. Specifically pertaining. Hey, y'all. To that's Texas true crime. Four beers in and I can still say specifically pertaining. Uh, We'll be back. Cassie and I. Mm-hmm. Wait. Will we be back in two weeks? What's in two weeks? Uh, two weeks we will be back. We'll have a. We'll have a Christmas episode. You want to do a Christmas episode? Yeah, I think I can find that. All right. Yeah. Thanks for making the effort, man. I don't know. I'm just like, how do you search for Christmas? How do you boil that down? I don't know. I, I don't know. know either. I'll work on it. We have two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we we will be back in two weeks with more Texas True Crime. Stop looking at me. Uh, and if anyone's listening, happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. And Merry Christmas. I forgot to do that last week. <laughs>